I'm Carlos Frias. This is Sundial. My guest today, Carlos Beto Ortiz, met the most interesting people in kitchens. He met people from all walks of life there, hidden in the back of the restaurant. An engineer from Venezuela working as a cook. Someone just out of rehab chopping vegetables. A Syrian dishwasher lacking English but speaking the language of kitchenese. They all know their way around a kitchen. Their stories moved him. The only stories Beto saw told were about chefs and owners and what was happening in the dining room. Beto wanted to tell the stories of the people making the food. He grabbed his camera and started the Instagram account, Humans of the Kitchen. He documents the lives of the people that diners rarely see, the people making the food they love so much. The photographs stand out in stark black and white. The captions are bright with stories, all told in first person. Beto gives them the platform, and his subjects speak for themselves. Humans of the Kitchen has grown to more than 30,000 followers. For a while, his focus was South Florida. Now he takes the story and photo submissions from cooks from all over the world. So let's get to know the person behind the camera who photographed the people behind the food. Welcome, Beto. Thank you so much, Carlos. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, I, th I find that these posts, really, they're like mini biographies of these people that we seldom see, these people, and how they came to work in kitchens and who they are. And so today, I think, I think we should do a, a Humans of the Kitchen on you uh, <laughs> to figure out, um, you know, why the kitchen is an important place for you and, and, and how it became to play such an important part of your life. So let's start with that. Like, why did the kitchen become a place that became so important uh, for you and, and, and played such a pivotal role for you? Yeah, the kitchen definitely changed my perspective of life. And that was something that I will always owe to that place. Um, when I was, I, I'm from Colombia, from Bogota. And when, when I grow there, um, my family was always, you know, we were always around food, but mm -hmm. I never had in mind to be a chef or not chef, a cook, I'm not a chef, or study culinary or do this project. But I always was like kind of an, let's say, I don't want like the world revolutionary, but an activist. Uh, but the, wor the, the your family life, it kind of gen it went around the kitchen? It like went around the kitchen, we always cook together. Um, I One of my favorite memories was my nanny that was actually she took care of my dad, then my two sisters, and then it was me, and she was kind of part of the family. And I remember sitting out at two, like three years old, like she was with the hand meal, doing the masa for the arepas, and I was just, you know, eating the arepas, enjoying those moments, and you know that those kind of things marked me forever. My dad died before I was born, like I'm one sorry. month before, so then, you know, all the time I was with my mother, she was always a great host, so she had a huge repertoire of recipes and we were always making the family happy throughout food and I was I always enjoyed that part but as I as I mentioned I was I never thought I was going to make it as a career uh, so when so, I so the yeah. really it started with like your so your mom and your and the, the woman who who helped raise you growing up mm -hmm. really being around the kitchen all the time what, and what was it about that kitchen area and that was there there was a calor there there was a warmth there it sounded yeah like. yeah and i liked it because you know over there it was i don't know it was like something really nice and seeing the people then enjoy the food 
and what we did there, the true four, three, four hours that we spent cooking together as a family and then serving all my family and sitting around. It was like such a special moments that we share and that was something that I really enjoy. So did you did you want to work in kitchens or, or was it something that, uh, that that wasn't that wasn't on your radar to begin with? It was it was not on my radar, but um, why when, is that? I don't know. It, it, when you are in Latin America, sometimes I didn't saw Master Chef. I didn't grow with that, uh, you know. Like and you always, I didn't had that on my head, you know. Like in that moment, I think now it's changing a lot. But in that moment in Latin America, it was not something your family pushed you to do. It was always business, business administration, other type of 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 things right they weren't saying uh go go be a chef exactly they were they didn't said that um but one thing i knew i always wanted i wanted to do it was like i remember one time when i was a kid like i i was playing with the with the cleaning lady kids in a farm and there was a distant familiar related and she was mad because the kids jumped into the pool Oh, with the, me, the, the cleaning ladies at the at the place where you were, they jumped in the pool with you. The the kids of the cleaning lady, they jump in the pool with me, and that moment was like, you know why? They're the same as me. You know, we're playing. You know, like there was like that moment that I felt that there was like a like a, a classism. I like classism there, right. and I I didn't like it. So s- since the beginning, I knew I wanted to kind of do something share something for a community for be an advocate about something and i i knew that since i was a kid so there was something there where you're like you you really like this aspect of how that kitchen brought people together but at the same time there's this line drawn about uh, the kitchen not being a place that you that people look down on like if you worked in the kitchen if you were a if you were a quote-unquote domestic worker Mm -hmm. they there was a separation there that and that, but that that struck you as like this is a thing I don't yeah, like. Yeah, that struck me since the beginning, and since that I start like looking in more into that, advocating for that, not for the kitchen specifically, for but for the the part of the low class. It's the not people people behind the exactly. scenes. Exactly, right? It's not that mean that is that that there's low and high class. That's gonna happen always. Right. It's just this respect that is equal for everybody. Right. You wanted to to bring some respect to that. Uh, to that, to that, to showing the respect that happens in in kitchens uh, or in, in in a service industry. In the service industry, yeah. So tell me about working in the kitchen. When was the first time where you that you decided that this was a thing that you wanted to do or, or a thing that you had to do? How did that happen? Yeah. So I left Colombia when I was eighteen. Uh, at the end, I was like, you know, I wanted to know more, get to get get see another country, see another perspective. What did your What did your mom and family think about that? I always told my mom it was crazy since since like I was 10 I'm living at 18 I'm living at 18 I didn't thought I was living the country I was living the house right so, <laughs> but I left uh, my 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 sister was here so of co- she helped me the first kind of six months to arrive and that was easier but one of the first job that I really find uh, was available for me was like frying wings in in Doral actually in a oh. place that right now is is called a, no it was the same it's called Doral Billards Doral Billiards so you're in a you're in a pool hall frying uh-huh. chicken wings is your first job in the United States exactly exactly and what did you find in that job what was that what did it strike you if you were doing this this kind of work for the first time what struck you about it yeah well 
I kind of enjoyed it. I was kind of alone or it was a small kitchen. So I didn't get to see much of the whole kitchen kind of perspective, but I was always, I'm being always creative. So, you know, like trying different food and I always bring into the owner, look, try this, try that, try this. And I was always there. Um, and since I started cooking there, I, I started enjoying more to cook in my house, in my, where I lived and you're cooking at work and you're cooking at home. It teaches you a home. little bit about exactly. cooking at home. And when you leave your country, you miss some recipes. So, of course, I was like calling my mom again. How do I do this? How do I do that? And being my by myself it gave me that. And and also, you know, working in a kitchen gave me then another pers- like another perspective of, you know, like this is a job. This is a, 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 a really important job. Uh, even if it's frying chickens, even if it's doing uh, frying chicken wings or a small restaurant, a big restaurant. What was what was kitchen work like? Did describe some of that because I, I it's been described as, as hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. It's hard work. My my the the click that I had most in the kitchen was after that. I I, I went to I went to kind of culinary school in Miami College. I went to Miami Culinary Institute. I started there. Oh right, there was they've been, they've had a lot of good chefs. Norman Van Aken was a guest, yeah. guest visiting chef, and they turn out a lot of great culinary students for Miami's uh, you know the hospitality industry is so big in South Florida yeah they're they're really good students uh, alumni right now being chef sous chef in different restaurants in Miami and I went there the first year and I paused and I went uh, to work for an Italian chef what 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 was the reception like if if it if being if working in a kitchen was not maybe looked down upon but maybe didn't have a lot of respect on it what was the response from like your family and friends about you working you know, studying to work in right. kitchens, in restaurants. I, I got distant to their perspective. You know, I stopped, you know, thinking what they think about it. Uh, oh, you were like, I, I know more about this than you do because I'm actually doing it. Exactly. And I felt, you know, when I was already here, I I, I felt there was another perspective. You know, when I see in the industry, you know, servers had tattoos. It was like a bit more open mind here in the United States than it, than it used to be in that moment over there. So I really didn't care about what was the thought of a, about my family or my people. My mom always, you know, like whatever I choose and whatever I was happy, she supported me. Uh, but I didn't thought at, at that moment. I, when I left Colombia, I tried to don't talk anymore with a lot of people to just distance myself to be able to live in another country. You immersed yourself in I immersed in myself, here. you know, and after two years is is when I start looking and checking out with other friends. But I left completely close out, stopped thinking about what people think and just start living my life. And that's and and tell me about what you found when you started working now in a kitchen that had different many people and more personalities. What was that like for you? Yeah, that's that's when I clicked this it was like uh, I met this Italian chef that I, I think right now is it was the restaurant where he's a stubborn seat and he was like doing pasta it was before it was it called golden pepper and he was doing pasta in the window and i really i stopped there and i was like hey i want i want to know what you're doing and he would tell me like oh come on start work like you start a shift and i was like he just hi- he just hired yeah. you you stopped to ask a question and he uh-huh. hired you and he was like where was this restaurant where was it, it was it was in a uh, fifth avenue south beach next to stone seed like around that area oh, next near to joe's seed. sure yeah near joe stone crab sure over there and and you know, I started with him. He was I just my English is still not great. And in that moment, I it's just great. I just it's learned great. to speak English or or know all the 
let's say all the equipment in English of a kitchen and he was Italian. He didn't speak well English, so I was like learning back again, you know. But how much is that is, is kitchen culture? You have the chef speaks only Italian, uh -huh. you speak mostly Spanish, uh, you know, and, and then you find, I'm sure you found other people speaking other languages yeah. and other backgrounds in that kitchen. Yeah, that's how, you know, Anthony Bourdain said, there's like a language that is the kitchenese language. The kitchenese, um, right. You know, it doesn't matter where are you from or, you know, whatever, you, you know, like, The kitchens have so many people from different cultures and definitely the barrier at the end is not a language. It is maybe sometime at the beginning when you're training, but then you understand when the Italian chef means what is a, you know, like a, like a different type of the rukud or something like that. He names it in, in another words and you start understanding that it doesn't matter. You get, you get the job done. Right. And tell me about what, What did you start learning? Because it seems like that was your that was your college. That was your area where you learned. I mean, obviously you went to Miami Dade, mm -hmm. but an area where you start, where you leave home, you leave Colombia, you're in the United States, and you're a place with lots of cultures, and you really start learning about different people and different cultures. What kind of things did you start learning about the kind of folks that were working in kitchens? Yeah, that was that was that was the thing that you know I stopped culinary and I was like, I don't know if. I stopped uh, studying and I was like, let me get to know what is a kitchen for real. Mm -hmm. And then I see if I continue. And I went to the kitchen and that moment that I started working with a chef, he left Italy because something happened with the restaurant, but he came back and he opened another one. And he told me, join me. And he was like building a kitchen, everything. It was called that big fish where now is Tigre. It was in the river. And, and what did you like about that culture once you were in there and you were working and seeing and the seeing the kinds of folks who were working there? What did you like about it? It was like seeing people from different backgrounds, places, cultures and socioeconomic uh, backgrounds coming together, you know, coming together, being aligned, have respect for each other in kind of a way, even if we were throwing pans or jelling, but it was like kind of respect between each other as equals. And and I like that. I thought that the world, if if it was more like a kitchen, uh, it, it would be a, a, a better world, you know? And I, I really felt that that was my, my space in that moment. And, you know, I was full-time. I, I was working with a guy that had like, came out from rehab, another guy that had like seven bullets in his body and I had to work along with him. I was like uh, 50 cent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, cra like crazy people, you know. But at the end of the time, I... S like people with really different backgrounds. Different backgrounds. Than, than what you knew in like growing up in a little, in a, in a small place in another country. Exactly. In a different place. From, medium, from medium class to Colombia to coming in a kitchen and seeing a whole different reality. From cultures, people, cities, you know, like, and it opened my eyes and, and that's what I was kind of looking for. And what did it, what about that made you, at what point did you say, these people deserve the focus versus, you know, you have the chef who's coming up with recipes and is obviously teaching these recipes, but these folks who are doing these things, at what point did you say, man, these guys deserve some attention? Yeah. Well, fast forward, like I, I lasted like five years working in the industry, kind of like that. It was, let's say, you know, not, not so much comparison to others. And I, I, but it marked me forever. 
the way it worked, the rush, the the how how Chef managed things, the mise en place, everything, and uh, that the last day of my work, my the the chef told me like you like you have the camera always with you, you like it, you know, like I'm I'm already. F- 40 50 years old and i finally make my may make up my money to go to italy and build my stuff and kind of retire but i only know cooking and you know other stuff like go go and explore other stuff so it was the chef that told you explore this talent because you would go into the kitchen with your camera exactly i was going like taking pictures of my friends having fun you know like trying to record what we were doing all the time and you know, in, in in a moment we were just playing in the walking cooler, and he was like, eh, "Like this is how you kill like line cook," and we were like just doing videos, just funny between each other. And I was always recording that, so he told me like, "You always record what happens inside here. Uh, why don't you do something?" And of course, everything hit. You know, I start like seven years. It was not since the beginning, but seven six years ago, I connected with An- with Anthony Bourdain, start reading more of the books, seeing more everything. And when he died, it was that click. You know, that moment I was like, he used to share so many stories, and he from 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 the back of the house, from the underdogs, all these people, all this street food. Now who's gonna do it? And I asked myself that question and I was like, you know what, like, I have my camera, I I can start doing it, even if it's me or if I can, you know, uh, inspire others to do it, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to try it, to test it out. And, you know, looking into names of Instagram, everything, I found the project of Humans of New York. Right, Humans of New known. York is. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's a catchy name. And they do, you know, the por- the portrait photography, and it was something easier to start. I was not Anthony Bourdain with a crew of 30,000 cameras. You were one guy I, with cameras exactly. and an idea about cat telling the stories that you felt now with Anthony Bourdain gone, mm-hmm. someone could tell. Exactly. So in that moment, I had a partner. He was from Switzerland that I know in the culinary school. He was a copywriter. He was Michael Kelsey. And... I was like, you. I bring the stories, you help me write it. And I also had a friend that he was a more a professional photographer, was Julian Buitrago. And and I told him, like, you like this project? I, I also asked a couple of chef friends if they would be down, if, if they would like that we share the stories of, of their team. And they were like, that's a great idea, do it. So I kind of got together the team and I went to the first, you know, the first restaurant. I think the first restaurant was Cantina La Veinte. Uh, Santiago, Chef Santiago Gomez was there that now he's in Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, with his concept and it was Camila uh, 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 the wife also that they helped me out, they helped us out with so the they, first. So they invited you into the kitchen and say, and said take take pictures of, exactly. of our kitchen. They were like you're welcome, you know, I used to work with them with Camilo, Camilo's house uh, where it's recipes for change, cooking with different chefs for the community. Oh, you cooked for the community with these chefs exactly. for Camilla's house. So, oh, I see. you know, I started from there with the contacts and then she told me like, come to Camilo's, eh, come to eh, Cantina La Veinte and do the first humans. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I came with uh, my eh, eh, with Julian, the other photo- the photographer. And we started, you know, taking pictures. I started record, I started co- talking with the chefs and eh, with the cooks and interview them. How did they feel about that? It was, it was, it was, it was, it's, it's hard sometimes to break the ice and more yeah. when we are, you are in a camera and you're inside a kitchen. 
not everybody will welcome you. I remember when I was a when I was a cook in the Italian restaurant, the TV was going to come and they were like, don't let the TV come inside, or, you know, like, <laughs> or the cameras come inside. So me with a camera coming in at the beginning was like, who are these guys, right? Uh, but slowly, you know, you know, when you start, I, I start finding my way to breaking the ice with these cooks, you know, making a joke of something that was happening at the moment and making a comment that we, we understand each other as cooks, more than being me the camera guy and so this is kind of the beginning of humans of the kitchen uh we're going to take a little break uh we're talking with beto ortiz he's the founder and creative di director of the instagram account humans of the kitchen we're going to come back and hear the stories of some of those people whose lives you captured back in a minute We're back on Sundial. This is Carlos Frias, and our guest today is Beto Ortiz. He's the founder and creative director of the Instagram account, Humans of the Kitchen. Uh, he photographs and interviews the people in kitchens we don't often see. By the way, there's a reason we're talking to lots of local chefs and people in the food industry this month. The James Beard nominations came out uh, recently, and the annual South Beach Food and Wine Festival is coming up next week. Beto, so you, you start Humans of the Kitchen with the idea of capturing these stories of really telling these stories and and i want to go through some of them because this is a chance to talk a little bit i mean it's kind of you know we can we can talk on the radio about photos but i i encourage people to go to the to uh hum, humans of the kitchen on instagram and also you have a website uh humans of the kitchen dot org dot org uh but uh let's let's start with one of them here so you caught uh you told us a little bit about um rebecca rebecca brown um tell me tell me about her yeah, Rebecca is an amazing human being. I, I met her uh, before humans. Uh, as I told you, I, I was working with, uh, I was working as a volunteer and helped her with the social media of Recipes for Change. It was a, 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 a non-profit organization built uh, by uh, uh, Santiago Gomez, uh, Camila, Carlos Gaviria, uh, and and you know, I was working with the chefs over there, and she was one of the main cooks of Camilo's house. Tell, tell us, okay, she she was one of the main cooks of Camilo's house. And, yeah. And tell me about the story that you tell here about how she came to work in a kitchen. She had she had just she had just got out of prison. She was saying. Yeah, she she got out of she got out of prison, and and actually she was going doing a a, a, a great uh, project uh, for incarcer incarcerated human a uh, woman's and. And she found that job. She found the job um, a, or in Camilo's house, and it completely changed her life. You know, working a, in the kitchen, it kind of shift about caring yourself to caring for others. And that organization that happens inside a kitchen a, is something that definitely you know moves people. And I've seen it different ways that they see it, like as the military service or something like that for people that have has been in trouble. Uh, uh, in kind of a way and coming out to the kitchen is like that place where you kind of restore and you find your your space and there's this this photo that you posted of her it's this uh, color photo most of your recent photos in the last couple of years are black and white it's this color photo and she's just holding these handful of greens and she's got a, her hairnet on and a hat and she's holding the greens up to the camera and I'm just going to read uh, what you wrote here because it's brief uh, food was made to heal us she writes to you I didn't always realize this, but before I got out of prison, I was given a job here in a community kitchen as one of the cooks. 
Most people here are in rehabilitation, and I learned the importance of good, healthy food in their recovery. I had the opportunity to learn from industry chefs who come to volunteer. Everything I make is fresh and natural, wholesome and nourishing. It isn't always easy to serve the healthiest food, food they need, food that heals. Cooking became my path, and when I got out, I dedicated my life to help serve others through food. I serve myself by serving others. And I think it's, it's so beautiful that this idea that you let her, there's quotes around it, you let her speak in her, in her own words rather than filtering. Why, why was that important to you, to have people speak directly to the viewer? Yeah, I think that perspective from, from, from that unique perspective and, and story from them and the words they use and everything is really important to really catch the essence and the, the authenticity of each of the people that work in the kitchen. Do you think that that is missing, that that is overlooked? Because there's this focus, you know, you go to sit down in a restaurant and who won a James Beard Award and uh, which restaurant has a Michelin star? That um, When did that really strike you that there was, we were missing a big piece of it? Yeah. Well, I when then I, like working and getting to into the advertising and food part and all that stuff, I realized it was all about the chef. Mm. But I knew and talking with my with chef friends, they also care about their employees. They care about their cooks. But you know, sometimes they they were even tired about the the press of talking about them. And you know, I I felt that was we we some of them did care about their employees, but the public didn't and 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 also to showcase I, I felt it was important to showcase the diversity and the stories because I know the stories of each cook and how they get together can teach beyond the kitchen because mm -hmm. uh, our stories of change our stories this is this is the place where most different amount of workers and people come kind of come together and is one of the first doors that opens for immigrants or for people that have trouble in life and I feel those stories can touch other people. Those are those can be more inspirational. Reading from some of your things, folks who who really are getting a second chance, mm -hmm. a first chance at at doing something. They're coming from another country, or they're coming like you mentioned of Rebecca coming out of prison. Um, and what kind of reactions did you get when you started posting some of these? biographies so, so yeah that was so of course it's an encouragement to have right now a community that supports everything we do it's been a con it's been something consistent you know i haven't stopped four years ago or five we started and since then i haven't stopped every day to work on the community talk exchange thoughts with cooks that they they commute they comment or they send me a message after the story was shared like you know i have a similar story and a guy from India or something like that sharing me that he feels that story is the same of him in another place of the world. So these stories began to breed other stories. They, they, they allowed people to, to come out from the woodwork, so to speak, to mm -hmm. come out and, and share their stories. Did you find that people were just waiting to be asked to be told their stories? I, be, I believe so. Or, you know, more than waiting to be asked is like we put so much hard work in a kitchen or it's every day you know during the holidays during the most important times that other people is enjoying like valentine's is the most busy time of the restaurant ask a chef if he spent the time with the loved one and it's it's, it's really hard to get to that point 
and you know show showcasing them as more than also for them is also for the rest of the community for the consumers to know that there's a human part of it and what you were saying beyond the james beard the accolades i think you know every industry needs you know those awards let's say it's impossible to not have them but i feel we should kind of ideally hopefully in the future we go out and beyond to do sustainable food incredible dishes we do like all these crazy out of the mind things but in that search for the perfection we have lost even ourselves even the same chef has lost itself in how to care about himself how to eat well eat healthy and i know it's hard to change it right away because they grew up like that and so they say family meal oh i used to sit family meal and eat family meal in five minutes family meal meaning there's usually before the restaurant opens one of the chefs exactly. uh, is tasked with making the the meal for everybody before the, the shift right and you know it, it comes from i know a lot of restaurants are changing and i'm happy that a lot of james beer awards and michelin star give it to some of the right chefs that i know that they are changing the way they're doing things that that's something that makes me uh, happy because but i believe there's there should be an award for culture the culture and taking care of your people in the restaurant oh. i think there should be something sustainable in sustainability of your team and your people and i think a rest if a restaurant achieves that and and, and achieves that plus good food that's great Right. You know? The measure of success also being how well you treat the people who help you create this mm -hmm. this restaurant. And, I think and those are the restaurants that if they are right now on the top and they they think about the whole 360 of what it has what it comes to make a restaurant great and they do it like awesome. But there there but there should be more focus on that later on in I, I hope later on in the next years is the time that we shift the importance of, of of that and put it as a priority ourselves and our mental health and our and eat well and you know and I hope it changes little by little who who is doing it well is there somebody um, that without you know with highlighting someone who you've seen that does like they do this well they they their restaurants are they run great they're getting awards but they also treat the staff with respect are there some spots that you you know you want to highlight yeah uh, I, I think I think for I think for example uh, you know Sitsum or Pablo Sitzman or Niven or so Michael is, Beltran there so I, I believe there yeah, gave us three there so Zitsum and Coral Gables mm -hmm. uh, Pablo Zitzman is the chef there in this little hidden restaurant uh, Niven Patel we mm -hmm. had we had him on the show he's got three restaurants and he's uh, he's grows his own food at his mm -hmm. had little farm behind his house and um, Mike Beltran Michael Beltran uh, he's got a couple restaurants here in Miami Ariette and a new one just opened downtown Laurel I want to say and and what is it about them if there's a common thing when you look at them what is it that they're all doing right do you, would you say I, I think it comes with you know treating their employees well you know I, I have friends that work with them or work at the restaurant and and that means paying a good salary but also other things right there yeah there's like there's other things like paying a good salary you know uh, give them the opportunity also to shine you know mm. let them uh, uh, grow showcased you know uh, 
those are those are the different things i also believe there are a lot of little restaurants that are doing you know at the at the same time great job you know or that's what i mean there are other restaurants that also are doing great job internally with their team that hopefully one day that also gets showcased and gets viewing these awards uh, give me an example are there any that stands out in your mind that you're thinking of right away i have a friend that has a restaurant that is called tanya's it's like a little uh, bakery in north miami and just how beautiful they treat between each other and how they lift each other you know and sometimes those those places you know deserve that and 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 that's why i believe even on a word you know like can bring awareness to that part of the industry maybe we can you know lift in between each other and and create that good ambience between the restaurant kitchens and i think that's that's possible there you mentioned some of these smaller places uh you highlighted a gentleman named jose in colombia and he is like working at, like in una parrilla, like in a like in a roadside barbecue place. And you highlight his story in uh, Humans of the Kitchen. Um, tell me about Jose. His name is Jose Gustavo Perez, uh, and he's from Los Llanos. Um, and and I I can read a little bit about what you let him write here in a minute. But tell me about he's in he's in Colombia. How mm-hmm. did how did how did we get this wonderful photo of him? Which is uh, he's this older. A uh, white gentleman, lighter-skinned gentleman, with a—he's wearing a cowboy hat, and he's standing in front of this uh, this big open barbecue with these uh, hanging sausages. Yeah, well, I—I I, of course, with the search of and the responsibility of my humans of the kitchen, that means I had to travel, you mm. know, and I start funding all my. Poor travels. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's wonderful. It's self-funded right now, but yeah. I hopefully one day it can it can lead to a, a, a better future. But, you know, I went, of course, to Colombia, finding my roots, connecting. It was amazing. And I found this amazing guy in the road, Tuminca, near Santa Marta. And he was just happy. Like, the energy of him was like, he was like almost 80 years old. And he was full of energy, singing, jumping, cooking. And, you know, a local told me a story. He told me, like, oh, there is a guy that that grows uh, his own cannabis. And, and, and cannabis, his own, uh, his own marijuana. His own marijuana uh-huh. and marinates the meat, and with marijuana and and those other stuff <laughs> uh, uh, with with it. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And I we went we went there, and it and was this. His energy was amazing, and the, the story was also a story that showed you know like you never surrender basically. And I'm I'm gonna read a little bit of it here. This is. Jose Gustavo Perez uh, speaking directly uh, to you in Humans of the Kitchen. I am from Los Llanos. About 25 years ago, I started a road trip around Colombia and I fell in love with the department of Magdalena when someone on the bus recommended for me to go to Minca. So I did. Once there, I built my grill on the side of the road and started to do what I cook best, meat. After 10 years, some foreigners bought the property across the road, and eventually, they made me close after a lot of struggle. After coming such a long way, serving the community for more than 10 years and grilling meat all my life, I was not going to surrender. So finally, nine months ago, I built my brick-and-mortar restaurant how I always dreamed. There are two reasons why people keep coming. I treat my meat with respect and cannabis. 
I've been using cannabis since I was 12, and my body doesn't hurt in any way. He goes on, and he tells this this story, and he's just, uh, there's stories like this throughout, throughout the, the, and like, when you, when you meet somebody like that, who's so passionate about what they do, how does that, how does it affect the work that you continue doing? I mean, those stories are amazing, you know, because it shows that, uh, you know, the passion of people, you know, behind the kitchen and that they don't see any other, any other way of keep, you know, sharing stories. I think as a cook, you have a responsibility more than cook good food, you know, it goes beyond that. Uh, is you know is you are using recipes of the past is your legacy is your mom's grandmother recipe is your story is what do you believe in and is the way that that i think that differentiates a cook from a good cook or a you know and that really makes the difference so being able to capture that and even if i capture a story that 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 maybe inspire others to find their own voice in the kitchen because I feel there are a lot of cooks that are there like there's a lot of a lot of jobs that are there like working in automatic you know but I feel it's great to tell them that hey man you can go out and you can do your thing you can create your pop-up there's you know in the it's been showing later on with all these pop-up things in Miami and around the world how like a line cook can start like a little pop-up and become kind of like a, a little rock star industry and I make their own uh, name for yeah. themselves. It's and another way now to advance into the restaurant and it's not the one that we used to grow with. They see these stories and it becomes an inspiration to do their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a little break here. We've been speaking with Beto Ortiz. He's the founder and creative director of the Instagram account Humans of the Kitchen where he photographs and interviews people in kitchens we don't often see. We'll be back on Sundial in just a minute with him. We're back on Sundial. This is Carlos Frias. And our guest today is Beto Ortiz. Uh, he's the founder of the Instagram account Humans of the Kitchen, where he tells the stories of the people we don't often see in restaurants. You know, I'm curious, you know, you, you've done this as a passion. And there was a chef that once told you, you should take this passion you have and try to explore it are, are you self-funded how do you how do you keep like what what's your day job and how do you find time to keep doing this yeah yeah that's true it's, it's, it's been a little bit hard uh to maintain it but i have another job that i take food pictures i do logos branding website for food and beverage brands and uh, that's how i can i have been able to keep that even, even i manage the social media of miami culinary institute where i graduated oh that's great yeah so that's how I've been able to to keep afloat and invest on humans of the kitchen. And you stay afloat and you stay connected to that to this industry. Exactly. Not exactly. just popping in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Have you thought about taking this uh, a step further? Is there some other uh, avenue where you feel like you can take this? Definitely. One of my main ideas is is to hopefully launch a nonprofit organization with humans and do something positive for the community. Um, I've been working on that idea Uh, and the other one is uh, I want to you know go out of just the photography and all the all the stories that I have collected bring it to a broader audience Mm. outside of just Instagram and social media and a website 
Uh, and, you know, later on, a, a year ago, I pitched an idea to Vice Studios. Vice Studios, sure. And yeah, they produced several things. Yeah, and and they they really liked my idea, and we closed a, a contract, and I'm going to be co-producing something soon with them. So I think that's kind of the mutation of uh, transcending the, the kind of my storytelling vision uh, to something broader and to get more audience. So you're able to take this idea, this idea that these little these little stories and now it's it kind of ties back to what got you started. This idea that Anthony Bourdain was the voice who showed us the people that produce our food and behind the kitchen and now you're going to be producing a documentary with Vice. Some kind of documentary? Yeah, some kind of a documentary. Exactly. I cannot share what it is. It's not it's not the it's not the same as Humans of the Kitchen but in TV. It's just, you know, is with that idea, of course, it's with food and cooking and and those stories of the people, again, probably one story that it really impressed and tell that story, but it comes with that idea and the narrative that I've been, that we've been developing. You mentioned one story. Is there a story that stands out in your mind, either one that, hap that happened recently or one that you think, man, if I did one story to start with in a series for Netflix or something, <laughs> it would be this person? Uh, I always have a story. I remember, I think that was a dishwasher. I don't know if it was in Bacan. It was, his name was Jorge. And uh, his his father was a like a boxing fighter from Cuba. Oh, wow. And, you know, when he told me that story and he was washing dishes, I, 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 I saw himself, you know, as a, as a boxer as well. And I, I felt like that his, that his story and like, like, how he was and I was really I felt really interesting about the few words and how he, what he shared with me that I was like oh like a documentary of just this guy will will have been amazing right like he really it really said this this is cinematic what yeah this guy yeah is telling exactly me. exactly tell me about that medium of photography because there's you know you've blended both the written storytelling but really it's the photography that captures you when did you become interested in it how did that become uh, a hobby that has now, you know, become yeah. your a career. Well, I always had a camera, so I always was taking pictures. And what was your first camera? Do you remember? It was a in Colombia uh, or here. It was. It was. It was here. It was a Canon that my sister gave me, but I don't remember like what was the model. Uh, and also after, you know, I, I reached out to my friend Julian Buitragodar. Uh, that he was a, a fine photographer and I was like, you know, I, I, I want to do this, but I didn't want it to start by myself, you know, because I felt two photographers starting it and going around and, you know, capturing more stories. It, it was, we do it in shorter time and capture more stories. And, and from there I start like having a, I, what I, what I understood was m more than being a photographer. I know what moments to capture in the kitchen because mm. I was a cook. Because you were there and you knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. I knew what movement was coming the next. What was he doing? And I know already those type of pictures and what the audience that I have wants to see more. And and, and, you, know, that, and you, know? you know who your audience is because it's general enough, but you also speak 
to former kitchen workers. Like you have this whole series called Kitchen Nightmares. Oh yes, that's a little video series. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's uh, you know scary moments with uh, the walk-in cooler or the a traumatic memory of the ticket machine mm-hmm. uh, going. Uh, tell me about what the reaction has been to some of those. Well, it's it's it's, it's funny. Uh, it's just you know kitchens. I, I didn't want it to keep it as, you know, humans of New York that is all like, all is like... Very serious. Very serious. Kitchen, we have, that's what we help us to go through the day. The you jokes, know? the laughter. The jokes, the laughing, the this and that. And, you know, and I wanted to really show like a, like what is exactly a kitchen, uh, you know, like... Um, Give me an example. Personality. So there's one with the mandolin slicer. If anyone's ever had a mandolin slicer at home, it it looks like a a little skinny board with a blade sticking up, and it's to make, you know, even sliced like cucumbers or whatever. But but you did a whole mandolin slicer. uh, So that was the big one because a a lot of people, you know, like have caught themselves with a mandolin. And there's always a joke that there's a huge cook, and he says, like, I don't fear no one. And then there's like the little mandolin and and, and <laughs> he's like terrified he's, of it. he's terrified of it and you know like those kind of things always happen and everybody has a story about it yeah. uh, so you know just sharing those stories and and some of them are heavy like you said you mentioned yeah. there's immigration mm-hmm. there is you know folks who are rehabbing their lives whether from some kind of drug and alcohol abuse and that and that's common in the industry too yeah. right yeah. like the because the hours are long the stress is high and there's and there can be you know um, yeah um, you know vices available you know for sure and not only not only those because some of them have even thanks of the kitchen they have get out of rocks or, uh, drugs or the street there mm. are a lot of stories like that in, in the past you know things have changed of course in the past after working a lot and there's still some stories that you have all that rush that you will never change for five years that i work in the kitchen i i have a rush that nobody understands when they work with me mm. and and it's still I have it with me. I've been out, you know, like five years ago or, or something like that. And and I don't know if it's good or bad, uh, but it's something that I, I'm always on my toes in everything and the mise en place, how it works, the organization. Uh, but a lot of that rush translates when you go out of work and you cannot go and, and sleep even if you're tired because you are you have a lot of energy right from the from the rush of uh, you know serving big crowds and what have you and exactly and and these are some of the things that you try to capture in these stories mm-hmm. right as, mm-hmm. as you tell these stories um, of, of, of folks um, uh, there's a, a another one you captured here um, by a gentleman uh, he, he has a he has a stage name uh, I believe uh, his name is um, Money Gang. Money he's in, Gang. He's in Brickle, and he's there's this great photo of him washing dishes, um, and and he's and he says this thing um, on one of your posts. He says, "I don't like uniforms. I always like to keep keep up my style, even when I'm washing dishes." And he's got this flat hat with a St. Louis Rams on. So the kitchen sounds like a place that allows for personalities. Yeah, that's true. Like a lot of people that is in the back of the house is because they don't like to be on the front, like dealing with customers. So there are a lot of things that are, are allowed and you, I feel you can be you. And that's something that a lot of jobs, they don't, they, they don't allow you. And that's, that's why I feel a lot of people feel identified because they can completely, you can completely be yourself there. What do you hope that people in the last minute that we have or that people will take away from 
when they go to Humans of the Kitchen on your Instagram account? What do you hope that they take away from that? I hope that, you know, people start understanding uh, uh, being more conscious and, and and respectful in a restaurant, understand what goes behind and uh, that that is not only just the chef that is doing, but it's the, there's a whole ecosystem behind. Uh, and even that is that meal that they are getting served, they are really, uh, there should be really a gratitude to it. Not, not everybody can go eat every day of the night, every day of the other time. And, you know, and it's just that. It's like sometimes we think we are always right or with the reviews of Yelp. And you don't know sometimes how, how damage you can do to a small restaurant when you go and write a bad review without even thinking and without even talking first with the owner and trying to do that. Uh, you know, be more, like I think we should be more conscious because right now it's a delicate ecosystem. Even if it's for food bloggers or everybody asking food for free and stuff like that, we should be more care, care more about it. Beto Ortiz uh, is the founder and creative director of Humans of the Kitchen Instagram account, where he tells the stories of the people we don't see in restaurant kitchens. Beto, thank you so much for joining us today on Sundial. Thank you so much, Carlos. And that's Sundial for Thursday, February 16th. Leslie Ovalle Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Our director of enterprise journalism is Jessica Bakeman. Our engagement editor is Katie Lepre-Cohen. Our digital editor is Matea Sanchez. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's vice president of radio and Sundial's engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo. If you missed any part of our conversation, just look for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up next week, we have a special episode of Sundial looking back at some of our best conversations. I'm Carlos Frias. Thanks for listening. WLRN Public Media.